to the fifth episode of Yay. Balustrade's World of Interesting Things. I'm Carter. And I'm Lex. And together we are Balustrade. Balustrade. A group, or a, a band, yes. who once opened up Pandora's box <laughs> just to see what they could find. Oh, that, nice that, niche reference. Exactly, and that's an example of the kind of quality lyrics that we, uh, uh, that we wrote. Which and that, the reason why we don't write them anymore. Which was that Americana? Or was no, it? no, that was um, uh, El Mariachi, uh, wasn't it? In, on the Stalisfield EP. Yes, it was. And also responsible for uh, blisters on my fingers, memories of old. On any other man, they'd, they'd be, be worth, worth their weight in gold. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> so, our episode today, we are going to talk about music. Thankfully, not our own. Nope. Because as we proved in the first episode, that can be quite tiresome. No, so we're talking about some real music by some proper bands who've been... At it for music. a while exactly. as well, and they're quite and, good at what they do. And because we're old people, we uh, aren't going to choose modern music. Ooh, ooh, no. no, when we went to pick out music that we talked about, we inadvertently picked albums that were ten years old. Well, actually, Lex told me the album that he was choosing, and then I thought, right, I'll choose something from the same year. Ooh, so synchronicity! I went, I went on the iTunes and looked at what was released because I keep a I keep on the iTunes sort of playlist of everything released in every year that mm. I've got it's quite easy to go to 2007 and go that's the album interesting but I notice how you're very coyly I not, been... not playing your hand just I, yet. I want to think that the listener is having an exciting experience of not knowing what we're going to be talking about I don't want to ruin the tension I like the fact that you use listener singular well there's there's, there's Dave but yeah exactly hi Dave Yo, more, more of you later. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a threat. I know. <laughs> the first album we're going to talk about was inspired by me actually sitting and watching some of Glastonbury this year. Wow. Um, as a reminder, again, that as an old person, it's much nicer to watch it on the telly yeah. than actually to be there amongst and, people. Yeah. And music, it's not for us anymore. No. The music, these young people's music. Exactly. So, what better than a band? To talk about by two old men than Radiohead. Yay! Okay. And the album we're going to talk about is In Rainbows. timer ready? No, I've totally <laughs> forgotten about the timer. See, we haven't done one for a few weeks, and in that time I've forgotten that we actually time ourselves. Five minutes on In Rainbows by Radiohead, starting now. The reason I picked In Rainbows, I was a bit of a latecomer to the world of Radiohead. Right. When OK Computer all came out, I think I was too busy listening to Bon Jovi. Oh um, dear. Because it was 1995? Um, yes, around then. No, not in, uh, two, uh, nine, nine. what, sorry, hello? <laughs> sorry, I've forgotten what, how to speak. Anyway, so at that time I was, yeah, much more interested in awful hair metal music and nonsense like that, because I'd mm. not met Carter and not had my musical education. Mm. Um, and so when In Rainbows came out, and I suppose after OK Computer, they went through their sort of more challenging mm. phase, you had mm. Kid A and Amnesiac and... Yeah. 
everything got a little bit... Uh, Hail to the thief. Yeah, a little bit complex, a little bit nasal gazy, which is, you know, interesting enough. But mm-hmm. again, as I was kind of getting into that stuff, I struggled to get into that because yeah. I didn't like OK Computer because it was the one that everybody had. And then there... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so very... very so easy. very indie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other stuff was too difficult and too challenging. Yeah. So yeah. then along came In Rainbows, and In Rainbows was the perfect balance of a... Interesting indie rock album, yep. but also that had the kind of eclectic musical style that they'd been experimenting yeah. with with the yeah. other albums. So it was it was original. It wasn't it wasn't indie landfill, which is no. one of my favourite terms. Um, which is just bands like Star Sailor and oh. Embrace. Yes, who filled in that kind of post Britpop yeah. era of just providing uh, turgid indie music. For for me, In Rainbows was a kind of a boiling down. Of everything that they tried to do on Hail to the Thief, where that which I think was really like the blueprint for this, but much longer, much darker, much more intense, much less actually interesting musically. Mm-hmm. And I think it, within Rainbows was when they got it right, yeah. when actually everything melded together, and and it was just a beautiful work of art. Yeah. It? And in a way, it's what I found really good is the fact it has it has choruses and it has songs yeah. and it has recognisable but they're not conventional you know no. verse chorus verse chorus but it's much more accessible to no, exactly. uh, the people that, or to, to your average listener than it would be if it was just 20 minutes of feedback um, but there is still that element in there so yeah I mean with 15 step first the opening track um, it's kind of like it's really ruled by the drums and the bass the yeah. rhythm section rule this album and they really give it an energy which was lacking in the last couple of previous yeah. albums and and you're right it is there is songwriting then 15 step has got that brilliant sort of bass on it we get through and then the creepy kids that we've, we've yeah. had ourselves creepy kids coming again yay <laughs> in the background and I, I always find that really disturbing and uplifting at the same time yeah. it's very odd but then also they've got stuff like obviously really one of those bands who've got these different eras and for ages they were kind of running away from their early stuff yeah. and the creep era where they kind of could have become those in the indie poster child mm. children that they didn't really want to see. Yeah. But actually a lot of this stuff because I obviously when I listened to in Rainbows I then went back and sort of started to discover the older stuff a bit yeah. more. There's some quite Pablo Honey and eras of stuff on there. Yeah. In a well, way. It's not quite got that raw grungy element that it had back then. But no. It's, but it's got what you would call sort of rocky songs. Mm. I think the body snatchers is that. Yeah, yeah, body snatchers. That's quite like the. Uh, and even House of Cards is a bit kind of. It's very. It's what you call a Radiohead song. Song. Yeah. It's not a piece of music, but it's a song. song. And yeah. that's okay. It's okay for them to yeah. write songs. It, and it's kind of where Johnny Greenwood was coming to his own in terms of arrangement as well. Mm. There's some beautiful the way in which the songs are put together, is so clever and so crafted, mm. that you can actually see that there's real musicianship going on yeah. for the. For probably the first time in terms of it being edited down to something that is going to turn into a radiohead track rather than a soundtrack or into one of Tom's solo projects or something like that. And again, it seems quite interesting that it still comes at a time when Tom had just produced his solo album and yep. it came after that. And yep. was Johnny Greenwood doing um, he, his soundtracks at the moment? I think he'd done There Will Be Blood by this point. And the or propos- Body Song as well. And there was a proposition as well, was that yeah. him? No, that's no, okay. That's wrong. That's the other other weird so yeah so and actually when, when you say about it being distilled down mm. I was kind of I looked and checked 
this evening when I was kind of doing my little bit of, of fact check. It's only ten souls. Yeah, it's, and and it doesn't feel overwrought, and so it feels like quite a nice punchy mm. album that you listen to. Yeah, and, you, and and it's the kind of album you pick up, and it's the album that I pick up and listen to when I want to listen to a Radiohead album. Yeah, it's it's one of my, my I think my favourite album is probably well it what oh that's five minutes already. We're, wow, go away. Um, my favourite album, I would have said until recently, was Kid A. I think that Moonshake Pool has overtaken that for me, apart from the first song, which doesn't belong on that album. No. The brilliant tune, but isn't part of that album. But for me, this is the most complete package. Yeah. Certainly because I've got some show and tell with me today. Ooh, what a great thing for an audio medium. <laughs> and those of you who know, um, Radiohead released, I think it was 100,000 copies of the big disc box version, which you get two CDs, including bonus tracks, two vinyl albums, a couple of little books of photos and stuff. And in front of me, what, what Carts has got now is a, is a large sort of... It's a, Vinyl size, larger than a vinyl record yeah. size book, which is then opened up. It's got sort of two CDs down the right hand side, lots of beautiful, beautiful artwork. There's a, there's a proper record in there. Two two records because they're only they're forty five. Nice, and also the nice little touch, which is pure Carter, which is a <laughs> magazine clipping about chasing rainbows or in rainbows called Chasing Ring Rainbows, which is torn out of Mojo magazine. Indeed. If you come put into a little plastic poly pocket from WH Smith. <laughs> I've got exactly the same thing in my vinyl copy of Black Star, which I bought two days before Barry died, and I got the review of it and all the obits from The Guardian the next week and shoved those in the vinyl copy of that. So Fantastic. my record collection is actually a living a piece capsule. of history. Again, what's got a, a further interesting fact about this, which we kind of talked about just now, is so Clarks has got this amazing physical copy yeah. of him, right? But for me, the other reason why I picked it up was because they released it digitally and they did a pay what you want. It was the first the or one release. of the first pay what you want sort of models, yeah. wasn't it? And obviously, when you're radiated, you can do that because you can release an album and people can pay nothing for it or they can pay what they like. 40 quid in my case. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's just an, an interesting thing of the way that they can push push publishing and push mm. things, but also by doing it with a very, what is a relatively mainstream album yeah. for them. Yeah. And that it's not a difficult, you know, um, experimental album like their current stuff is. It is actually quite a commercial no, I album. I don't think they would have been able to do it had they had it been an album like that because word would have got around that this wasn't an easy album to listen to. But Radiohead fans still would have downloaded it. They would have, but they wouldn't have paid no. for the sets and all of that that's gone on. I think it was. I think they knew what they were dealing with. I thought they. I think they knew it was good. Yeah. Oh, a little bit of a little bit of footsie under the table there. Sorry, a little, little bonus treat there. Well, there you go. Mm. That's what, that's what happens when we talk about radio. We get excited. <laughs> My choice of album is something which is probably less successful, less well known, is Boxer by The National. So 
Let's talk about that for five minutes. This is an interesting album for me. I would call it Uplifting Miserableism. It is. That's, that's very, very apt. Um, it was their fourth album. You see, I've written some, I've written some uh, facts down here. You are. You, you, you've assumed a very newsreaderly pose here with your, with your hands in front of you. And, uh... I've written 2007, because yeah, we've already established that. Yeah. Um, what I thought was interesting about this was that The National have always been a band who have incorporated a lot of visuals in what they do. And there's, to my knowledge, at least two documentaries made about them during the recording process of albums. Okay. And this is one of them. Yeah. That there's an al- I've not seen it. It's called A Skin, A Night. But it's all about the recording of this album. Okay. I really want to see it. I've seen a few clips, and it was, re- it was filmed by the singer's brother. Okay. And I think they're a fascinating band in that they kind of came from... They had three or four albums that, were, that they didn't have great success. They were still working day jobs. Mm. And then this album, suddenly, they sort of burst on into the mainstream, really. Yeah. The songs were used on TV for the first time, lots of big sort of anthem kind of things. And Which is kind of against your normal model for it's, bands. It's it? not what I usually like. No, but no. I mean, most a lot of bands these days, it's sort of, it's you have that, all yeah. the emphasis is put on that first album, isn't yeah. it? You don't get many bands who grow into no. music. No, it's all of these. The this this lot have the chance to hone their their sound, which is almost like if Tinder Sticks had big bands, big stadium success. And that my, might sound a bit like this. That's my first note that I put down was a t- bit Tinder Sticksy, bit Tinder Sticksy, or in fact a bit like our impression of Tinder Sticks that we do <laughs> when we sing a song a bit slowly, and then or I get a little bit low. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's uh, that's a bleak look. Not not low as in sad. Low as in low. Oh no! <laughs> when 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 you're low. When I'm melancholic. When you, you just sound a bit like, like Stuart Staples. Um. One of the other interesting things about this is that one of the musicians who joined the band for this recording did, did a bit on a few sessions was actually um, Sufjan Stevens, okay. who's a friend of the band, and are they American? Yeah, they're American. They're from America. <laughs> I don't know where Um, and I think that's a sort of a really interesting way because I didn't detect that I didn't get a sound of that at all and it's just about in there again there's a complex mix of instruments going on Mm. quite a complex rhythms going on quite interesting lyrics going on which I don't think you find in many big stadium rock bands as it were so so I I guess at this point I should kind of fess up I've not really heard the national before um, the only times I hear the National is that every year Karts makes me a CD for Christmas, <laughs> which is his best of the year. And oh, invariably there is a National, a national track song on that. And that's really the only yeah. experience I've had. Ever. So what I'm asking is, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have put them as being American. Without no. knowing anything about them, I would have thought they were British. They do have a British sensibility, kind of like the editors as well. They've yeah. got a similar kind of sound to that. Um, yeah, it's quite chambery in that regard, but they're definitely American. Yeah, but again, I mean, as you say, the kind of that, that layers of music and the yeah. different styles. Um, then they've got a very sort of little little tweaks, little little couplets and words kind of stood out yeah. to me when I was kind of listening to you through it for the first time. Whether it's um, got a couple written down, showered and blue blazers. Yeah, showered and blue blazers. And perhaps that my favourite is, is the creepy slow dance show for you, which because of his deep voice, yeah. what's kind of slightly romantic story yeah. about his wife coming home and doing a sexy dance, 
Yeah. Comes across a little bit creepy. It's a little bit sleazy. Do I mean, a I've... slow dance for me. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was definitely creepy. <laughs> but again, you just catch these little little yeah. little elements I mean, of wordplay which they use. Yeah, which I think is really the lyrics are beautiful. Out. When he says, I dreamed about you for 29 years before I met you, mm. I think that's a really beautiful way of putting that emotion. Yeah. They're incredibly heartfelt lyrics, incredibly personal lyrics. Mm. And I just, every time I listen to this, which is more and more, obviously I listen to it to prepare for this, but I listen to the National more and more, and I think that this is kind of a really good way into the band, because their other stuff was much more, since then, was a lot more mainstream. Yeah, because I listened to a couple of the albums afterwards, and like it just felt... High Violet and stuff. Yeah, it kind of felt like this is one of those ones where they figured out their sound. Yeah. Again, as you said, it's interesting to hear that this was kind of their peak, yeah. and that you get those bands over that they struggle to try and find their voice. Mm. They find their voice for one album, and then they carry on trying to rediscover that. It's the dreaded new sound, Absolutely. while also keeping the, the faith of what made them successful. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that subsequent albums have, have impressed me as much, or have been as vital. Possibly two or three tracks from each one, maybe. Yeah. But overall, I think this is the most complete album for me that they've done, and the most sort of almost well, I've just said it, it's a complete album they've yeah. done, that's that's it. Really. It's that one that gets the right balance of polish mm. and rawness mm. of originality that they've not become so successful that the the production values and the polish yeah. is taking the edges off it. Yeah. Um but that it's still much slicker and much more complete mm. than those ones which are recorded kind of on the cheap and they're kind yeah. of well they, they don't necessarily have the knowledge or the skills or, yeah. the, or the worldliness to be able to to, to do an album yeah, justice. I think, I think that's right. I think that's I think that's a good summation. It's an interesting one. Like I say, it was, it's not an album. It's an album I was aware of, but yeah. not really heard before. And, and I enjoyed it. I was looking forward to hearing why you picked it because for me it was it was okay. Yeah. I don't think I'll probably listen to it much again after this. No, fair but, fair enough. Um, I'm I gonna, did quite enjoy it. I I did honestly pick it purely because it was from 2007, and that might seem shallow. That's right. It's given us a theme. Well, exactly. You know? I was. I'm always. I'm a sucker for the cause. For the cause for Andrea and and Nicole. <laughs> Mainly Jim, to be honest. <laughs> oh, dude, I remember the boys' name. <laughs> so. So there we go. So that was our discussion about albums from 2007. Keeping it niche. Next week we'll have a new exciting. I think we're going to do another music theme. I think so. Yeah, we we've done a few weeks talking about books and films, so we're going to do a couple of musics in a row to keep you all interested. But in the meantime, if you want to keep in touch with us, how can they keep in touch with us, guys? Well, there are, as we love to say, three ways that you can contact us. Hands and down. Number three, the least well-used way so far is our email account. How many emails have we had? We've had a lot from Twitter. Have we had a lot from Russian bots? No. Oh, we Very disappointing. Come on, Russian bots. The email address is boitpodcast at gmail.com. That's boitpodcast at gmail.com. And you'll be in, we'll be inundated with emails after that. Please email us someone. Please, anybody. B-W-O-I-T podcast at gmail.com. So that, was that desperate enough? <laughs> that was pretty desperate. Yeah. And what's the second way that people can get in touch with it? The old school, the classic, it's Facebook. 
Oh, you got, I was expecting you to go for the Twitters then. Yeah, I've gone for the bookie face. Because I thought, I thought, looking back at our stats, we've had some actual interaction and sharing. We have. Well, let's go Facebook. Well, let's go Twitter then. Yes. The, the second way you can get in contact with us is through Twitter. Twitter. At BoitPod. B-W-O-I-T-P-O-D. Fantastic. What's the first way? The most popular The topest way. The topest way. Is Facebook, which is facebook.com slash balustrade hq nice which is easier for me to say because you have to say boit like boit and this week or this most recently not even this week because that will give away when we're recording but we've actually had some interaction we've it's, had our first review on it's facebook very exciting it's very exciting and we've been described as from our good friend dave but finally listened to your first two episodes in the car on the way to work. It was like the two of you were sitting in the car with me, oh. wittering away. So somewhere between pleasurable and audio torture. It was like finding an old, smelly, but reassuringly comfortable sock down the back of the drawer. Oh. Folders full of tripe, indeed. He put in quote marks. Oh. I'm not entirely sure what that, that means. That's a... I, I took this as a positive review. definitely is. Um, I'd have to say that being in a car with Dave is very much audio torture. Yes. For when he, when when he, he puts on... Some John Spencer Blues explosion. The blues! But anyway, thanks very much for, for, for your candid thoughts. If you would like to leave a review of us, you can do that via our Facebook group. Yeah. Or you can, if you subscribe to us on iTunes, you can leave a review on iTunes. But so there we go. There's another episode recorded. Thanks very much for listening, guys. It's been a pleasure spouting at you. And we'll see you again soon. Bye! <laughs> Right, so are we ready to begin? Uh, yeah, let's go. Oh, I've been recording for 25 seconds without oh, noticing. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Professional. Competence. Professional. <laughs>